This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Welcome to Hi Bob, the officially unofficial For All Mankind podcast on Apple TV+. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're back to do uh, Season 3, Episode 6 uh, feedback. Actually, it's feedback for basically everything that's come before. We haven't done this in a while. So uh, I think it's time to get to whatever people have to say. Aaron, I know you compiled some stuff. Did we get a lot? We did. We got a good chunk, uh, considering this was for the last three or four episodes. Uh, and unfortunately, some of the uh, uh, feedback had gone bad. Yeah. Because uh, people were speculating. And uh, of course, you know, episodes go and sometimes you're not right. Uh, but uh, we are going to go forward. F.A.M. at BoldMove.com is how you send us feedback. We'll try to get a, at least one more out before the end of the season uh, since we're getting into late days. But let's get on with our first uh, bobber. It's up here. Uh, Ari says, when Bill is talking to Karen about him being a git and how specially felt, I couldn't help but think about the fact that Aleda is the one who's asked first. Ouch. Is this tell us anything? Like I was trying to think, is there some kind of moral thing we can say about Karen uh, or or but I, I just feel like he's still a git, right? He's not as git. He's not as giddy as Aleda. He's still a git. Who is a git? Uh, uh, Bill, Bill, uh, uh, Captain Peanut. Okay, the Brits are laughing it up right now, and also let's just put that out there. Why is that? Uh, yeah, Bill's a real kid. Oh, I get it. I get it. He is a kid. Um, I, I don't think. I think. I don't think. I, I think it says something about Alita that she didn't throw that in his face. That uh-huh. like, well, it's because you know you, I, I, I passed. Um. And I don't think it's something that should diminish Bill's uh, celebrated celebration of being called a git because he is a git. He is uh, very few people in this world of for all mankind in 1995 that have his experience and his totally. uh, skill set and knowledge. Um, yeah, probably only three or four other people. So the fact that you're a second, you know, you're the second choice based on all that. Uh, I don't think that's it. There's any shame of that. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's uh, like, it means anything that Karen is, is dissembling. I don't even think it's dissembling, you know, what are you going to be like? Mm-hmm. Well, we, we actually, we didn't get a later, but you know, if you want to come for the same fucking offer, I guess. Um, right. Yeah. But uh, it is, uh, it would have been shitty for later to point that out. Sure. Move on to Matt G says the, Oh, this is a popular theory. We got this from a lot of different people. Uh, the, the Matt had the first and most succinct version of it. The rocket that the North Korea, Koreans launched 20 bucks. that has a person on it. They'll land on Mars first and use the U S supplies to survive. Or since it's North Korea, they sent them there knowing they die. This idea that this probe would have a single person shoved in it. Like, uh, you know, like, like with just enough water and food to survive the trip, land, plant the flag for North Korea, best Korea. Yeah, and then the starve. Is that it's no longer possible. We're not going to see no. like I, I, I mean, as of this is episode. There, we saw Daniel land, right? Unless the North Koreans are already there. They greet her with a handshake when she gets there. Well, I was wondering, is there, is there going to be some kind of dark moment later in the season where they're exploring Mariner Valley and there is they find the North Korean probe and it does have a person inside of it? 
Uh, it's a dead person at this point, I would think. But maybe they stole all of NASA's supplies. Maybe they got there and took their their pre-planned mission supplies. Do you because the last time we talked about this, we both kind of thought that this is essentially because North Korea has really not been mentioned before in the series. This is them setting them up as a geopolitical player for season four, some kind of crisis in season four. Right. Do you think that or do you think that there is going to be something from this Martian probe? I don't know how there could be at this point. Like if the plan is just to send one person up there to die, like the news apparently missed it. Right. (laughs) Because the news is all saying like. The, the the Soviets they're they're highlighting the people stepping out of that ship you know not yeah. the Korean who starved to death uh, being the first person there so yeah I don't I, it, it's a hell of a theory uh, if we if we got an email episode out before episode 6 I think this yeah. would have been before this episode it would have been a banger but, yeah. yeah it's dead like the theoretical North Korean cosmonaut Mm-hmm. Korean not I don't know what they would call what the they would uh, what do Chinese what does the Chinese Space Administration call yeah I don't know who anybody I no yeah I'm, I, I, I know co- that I can't pronounce right yeah I know cosmonauts and and which is not I don't think that's what Russian literally calls them like real uh, that's not I how they pronounce it. that yeah no. yeah no shockingly little about the, what the rest of the world refers to their Cosmo and astronauts uh, I feel like I should know as a Destiny player because that shit was like, you know, uh, China, China being a big part of like moon colonization and stuff was a, was a big part of that. But huh. I don't. Uh, Sadie says, I seem to be the only person who's having a major issue with the idea that either of the ships would seriously consider a rescue mission of the Russian ship. I think there is no way that NASA or Helios prioritizes five lives or the billions of dollars they've spent and the money that stands to be made by reaching Mars, especially mm-hmm. not the government or NASA giving the political disaster this will be, not to mention the extreme danger involved to astronauts and ships. Am I just too cynical? I don't really think I am because look at the government agencies and corporations and how they behave today. I know that on the show, the people in charge are good guy characters. So they behave more morally, but it just took me out of it and put a damper on the episode for me. Jim, do you think it's unrealistic for NASA to stu- to to do a, a all hands on rescue mission of these cosmonauts? Not NASA. I, I think you know NASA. That, that that's the reputation they have in real life. For me, is that like mission be damned? We're going to protect the lives of our astronauts over any, especially if it's just glory. Um, yeah, I. I I don't know about Dev and, and his team. I think without Ed there, they might never even have considered going to pick up these Russians. But yeah, I'm, I, I think NASA would. Yeah. And I mean, I know we like to talk about how like uh, it's, it's fashionable to say every U.S. president's a war criminal and all that kind of stuff. But like it's a really old institutional thing. Like the, when they talk about the law of the sea, it's anathema. Like, even when you're in a shooting war, you are trying your best to sink the other bastard ship. Once you do that, you go and you pick up survivors. Like, mm. yeah. if you don't, you're a pirate and you are hung by at the convenience whoever catches you first. Like, it's... And some of this military... It doesn't make sense, but, like, uh, this, this, some of this military code of conduct stuff, leaving no man behind, uh, you know, like, like going from trying to kill someone to taking them prisoner and treating them humanely. Like, this is stuff that's, like, really embedded into the, the DNA of these institutions. So, I... 
think, especially on NASA, would be uh, aghast at the idea. And, and it would be such an international fiasco. The fact that NASA could save these people, but they're just going to slowly cook to death of radiation, transmitting the entire time, cursing <laughs> the their government and our government. Like, I just, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I, I didn't find that real, real but like, I, I don't think you're wrong to be that... Uh, uh, cynical. that that cynical yeah. because if it was something that they thought they could get away with or if this was like a black operation that yeah. stuff might happen but publicly yeah I, I don't know with rank and file people involved I, I I don't think the people doing the missions are that cynical you know mm-hmm. Matthew says following up on my email from previous episodes regarding what Ed is injecting himself with in this episode we saw a brief glimpse of the vial that Ed's using it's labeled uh, nandrolone decanoate, which is a type of anabolic steroid. Some side oh. effects from using high doses of this drug may be a factor in the show that include concentration defects, irritability, violence, blood vessel disorders, heart damage, and or muscle rupture. Holy shit, Danny and Ed are both juicing. <laughs> uh-huh. That That's causing concentration defects, irritability, violence. It's, uh, oof. Oof. Yeah. I assume he's taking that for the, the muscle loss that happens as an astronaut spending significant time in space, right? I assume, too. I'm just surprised they haven't directly addressed it. Yeah. You know, that you've got the mission commander injecting things in his ass. And I was thinking it was insulin. It turns out it's testosterone. There's this like I'm, I'm surprised they haven't like made it more of a, a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe they will now that the, you've got the, the CEO and the second command. Like I said, perhaps mentally and emotionally compromised by, by drugs. Uh, not, like I said, and then there's not that there's any, like I, Ed's not juicing. If Ed is delaying the onset of aging and injury at the, uh, with the doctor's prescription as a, as a prescribed regimen, that's, right. that's different than buying gray market fucking, what do they call it? Kit. Uh, I for gear, getting gray market gear from the local gym and having your buddy shoot it in your ass, you know, like it's, yeah. Or it's different. St- st- stealing speed from the medicine cabinet and taking yeah, it secretly in the bathroom, right? <laughs> like, that also, that also uh, is yeah. not 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 recommended by your medical professionals. Hmm. Um, E-Man says, I keep thinking about how my man, Ronnie Moore, who is the showrunner, architect of the show, said that this is the road to Star Trek, which, if you take him at his word, changes one's whole perspective on the show because that means we're ending uh, or heading towards a utopia. I think Dev might be that character and maybe Madam President, who is the epitome of that Star Trek perfect future. I admire Ron historically putting story before being politically correct, but I can't see him having a black Elon Musk be a bad guy. The speech about Mars belonging to all really hit me as a true Trekker ideology, yet his move fast and break things mentality seems doomed to fail. Makes me wonder what the purpose of this show really is. I believe it might hinge on Dev and his vision. Just some thoughts. Uh, What do you think? Well... Presumably, we'd have to get to Enterprise first, Star Trek Enterprise, right? And I know all about the theme song of that. It's been a long road. It's it's a twisty road too. Oh, such a long road, Jim. Right? Uh, the The road is not straight. The road is being built. Uh, the road might get bumpy. I I feel like that's the thing. It's it's you know these early pioneers might have some flawed vision. Uh, might have some quirks about them that make them not the best people but ultimately like the road they take leads other people who become better people uh to to take up that mantle 
and create a society like the Federation. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's a baby step. Maybe he's like the imperfect version of this because I, I don't think Dev is like 100% altruistic with his, his... I think he talks a good game, but come on. Um, so, yeah, it, it's going to be a long road. I think there's utility in public hypocrisy. I don't like it. I don't like it a lot. But, like, people saying... It, it's. It, Look, if there's anything I've learned in the last couple of years, it's people it, there's 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 utility and people saying the right things in public, you know, OK, like if you just start saying, oh, actually, yeah, we're all just in it for the money and none of this is real. And all of the values that we say we espouse about honesty and integrity and loyalty are all fucking bullshit and are all sacrificed at the like, I, I think that would do bad things to society. Uh, because a guy like Dev could be saying the right things and doing the wrong things, but he's inspiring a generation of people who don't know that's all bullshit and might actually be influenced by those ideals um, to actually do the right thing, you know, hmm. whereas if it's all just a put like a cynical kind of ploy and everyone's in on it, like, I don't I, I don't know. Does well, that I make just sense? wonder if you get to the. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the question I would have is like if we had started with the radical transparency. Uh, mm-hmm. with motivations would we ever get to a place where everything is being done cynically or would we have had those cynical people weeded out by telling everybody hey i'm only doing this for money not for passion not for the good of humanity not for anybody's good but my own <laughs> would those people have been put in the positions they're in or would we have chosen better people right like it, it, yes if today you started radical transparency i think there'd be all kinds of turmoil and problems but if you had started with radical transparency maybe yeah what do you think about this idea that uh it's a bad look to have um a successful black immigrant be ultimately because a bad guy and i I guess that's where i want to push off is like i don't think that he's a bad guy i think he's just your average billionaire I don't think he's particularly <laughs> bad. I don't think he's out there like, yeah, you yeah. know, uh, he, he's not twirling a mustache and being evil. He's just pursuing a profit motive, you know? Sure. He's doing what the system he's in is telling him to do. Um, right. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, and it's hard to place. It's hard to place blame exactly in that scenario but here's the thing like are we not past that on television are we not past the point where you can't make a black person a villain well i was that was the word wow that's where i was going next the fact that like and and there's there's people there's reasonable reasonable people can disagree but i think that um it could get paternalistic to act like every minority uh, cannot be uh, portray an evil person or a bad person or a misguided person because, you know, whether you're black, Latino, Asian, trans, gay, straight, what all of all of us are capable of being sons of bitches for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are <laughs> they, these are not. And, and to see it as otherwise is kind of, um, well, it's racist. 
it's racist. It's just from a, 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 diff, a different angle. So I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I do think there's still utility uh, for talking, you know, civic to the utility of having positive portrayals of, of these minorities. But like and, oh, and certainly sure. overrepresented as bad guys and, and things in the past. But like eventually, yeah, if we get to a, a world that's a little bit more equal, you, you would think that everybody should have an equal shot of playing every type of role, even the, the shit heels. So, oh, and our our real world lags lags way behind Hollywood in this regard. So I, I feel like when you're looking at Hollywood saying, you know, what what are the portrayals like? What can we do uh, on screen? I think it's different than, you know, the real world. Yeah. Yeah. And they've also had like quite a bit of uh, uh, good uh, positive portrayals of oh, yeah. uh, black folk in the show. I mean, Danielle Poole mm-hmm. is looking better and better as a as a mission commander by the the second uh, her husband was a tragic, but I think ultimately heroic figure. Um, I like Will. A lot. Yeah, I think they're I think they're 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 doing a pretty good job and they can afford to have, uh, you know, and I think that's that's also kind of like the point of the satire is because he's literally black Elon. Yeah. So, you know, South American immigrant or South African immigrant, you know, like it's mm-hmm. it's it's pretty, pretty, pretty on the nose. Um, let's move on to Joe F says, hey, guys. One thing has been bugging me this season is that they seem to gloss over the amount of time it takes to get to Mars. I was under the impression it takes two or three years to get to Mars as opposed to a few days to get to the moon. Did it somehow speed up this uh, alternate timeline for the show? Um, they said like yeah, seven no, months, you're, right? Yeah, you're, I, I, uh, you're just, yeah, unfortunately, you're just wrong, Joe. Um, I think that's a common misconception, but historically... The shortest we've ever sent a spacecraft to Mars was back in Mariner, Mariner 7. It took 128 days. Uh, mm-hmm. The longest it's ever taken is 333 days, which is the Viking wow. 2, uh, which, went, uh, which, which actually landed on Mars. Uh, it's all dependent on where Earth and Mars are in their orbit, what kind of mm-hmm. slingshots you're doing, all that kind of stuff. But I've... Um, I saw that at the fastest we've ever sent a space spacecraft, which I think was the New Horizon probe we sent to Jupiter, that you could get to Mars in optimal conditions in a little under 35 days. Wow. Now, we don't have the propulsion to sling a human capable of spacecraft that fast yet, but it shows you what's possible. I think uh, in mm-hmm. this show that the time frame was given, I think it was actually explicitly given is around 90 days. And that seems to be fast. But get, keep in mind that they've got a new uh, essentially science fiction fusion drive yeah. that can push a lot harder and faster than a chemical propellant. So like it. Yeah, that the, they they've essentially shaved a month off our fastest time uh, in this timeline. It doesn't it doesn't bother me. And I think it's pretty actually realistic. Let's move on to SV, who says, I enjoyed the feedback and commentary about Molly's decision to pick Ed. But here's what I found interesting. One of the reasons Molly gave for choosing Ed over Danielle was his test pilot experience. You seem odd to me. In our world, the real Molly Cobb is in the top 2% of all applicants tested to be astronauts, male and female. The test pilot rule is what effectively eliminated her from the astronaut program. In their world, it did the same thing until the Russians put a woman on the moon. I couldn't believe the writers put that reason in her mouth. Um, What do you think about Molly essentially giving the reason that women were excluded from spaceflight in general as a reason to exclude Danielle as mission commander. I'm I'm not following. Wait. Okay, so, I'm sorry. So, yeah. Women could not be test pilots. It was a requirement for all astronauts ah, to be test pilots. Okay. 
Molly specifically cited her lack of test pilot experience. Gotcha. My read on this is Molly didn't think it was a, a, a bullshit issue that only test pilots should be astronauts. She thought it was bullshit that women were not allowed to be test pilots. Sure, sure. Yeah, which so is test pilots, uh, which which is a dis, is, is a difference. But I think it is. It does have a distinction, too. You know, it does. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, it's it, it would be funny, though, like if, if Molly were on all cylinders and didn't wasn't effectively blind uh, and it was her and Ed going to Mars first, do you think she would use the same logic against her? That is what's the interesting point. Because the thing is, is like, yeah, yeah. I think she's saying to Danielle, not only were we both excluded for being a test pilot, but just between us girls, I'm definitely the test pilot of us two. Yeah. I think yeah. that's what she's and, saying, and which is true. Like she's, she's yes. the risk taker. She's the person who truly loves it. Right. And that's yeah. important to her. That's important to her, even mm-hmm. though it, it, I think it makes her out to be. I mean, if you want to say that's hypocrisy, like I could I could get it. But I think from Molly's viewpoint, she doesn't see it that way. Right. Um, SV also says, do you think one of Ed's motivations is his legacy? By that, I mean, there's no motive with Alec or there's no movie of Alec Baldwin as Ed and Gina Davis as Sally Ride holding guns <laughs> at each other in space. Yeah, uh, yeah I think Ed, so. Yeah, Ed blew up the Sea Dragon, but the public story is it had engine trouble. Danielle got the glory for shaking hands. Um, obviously, Gordo and Tracy got a lot of glory they were unable to enjoy. If you asked Ed, he'd probably say it's bullshit, but wouldn't it be an unconscious goal? I think he feels the public gets why he aborted the moon landing back in the day, but what about his part in averting WW3? Yeah, I, th- I think it's actually on his conscious mind. Like when he's trying yes. to land on Mars, I, I think this is what's going through his head. Like, God damn it. I missed out on being the first person on the moon. I'm not going to do it here. Uh, but, but also my legacy won't be I'm going to get the kid of my friend who's already given his life for this mission uh, killed as well. Like, yeah. Yeah, it seems like it's, it's weighing on him in, in many ways. And I, I think you're right. It's not even subconscious. It's like it's 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 something that is actively motivating him. Yeah. Uh, for good and for good and, and ill, mostly ill, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think you're you're spot on there, SV. Let's move on to Rob. Is the show setting up the Elena Margot relationship to mirror the Margot uh, slash Von Braun relationship? Margot was a devout Von Braun disciple until his relationship with Nazi Germany was revealed to her, which he was forced into. But she uh, is very understandably upset and angered by. Asterix and not forced into. I'm still not sure what I think about you know, his involvement with the Nazis myself. Mm-hmm. But uh, similarly, it appears inevitable that a similar story is going to play out with Aleda owing to her career, her career to Margot and a large part only feel betrayed by the eventual revolution. That she, sorry, revelation that she's feeding the Russian government information, even though it's a situation she's also seemingly forced into again, giant asterisks on that statement, because mm-hmm. there's all kinds of ways to be forced into things. Um, and I, I don't, I feels like, Back when I was a kid, there was this cartoon that like uh, a Woody Woodpecker cartoon where uh, is like some kind of McGruff crime thing. And, and there was always this thing was like, if, if only Woody had gone to the police, none of this would have ever happened. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe if you're an old Gen X like me, that that rings. But, but I, I, so I always think that when I'm seeing Margo, like if only you had gone to the DOJ at this point, at this point, at this point, right, at right. this definitely this point, but also this point, this point, none of this would have ever happened. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, they could be setting something like that up. I'm uh, I'm waiting for them to, you know, get get an underling for Aleda to latch on to and her to become uh, the director. And then we can repeat this whole cycle all over again. Yeah, I'm not sure if there's any there there. It might just be, you know, history kind of rhymes and there are things that kind of are consistently themes and in, in history. And they're just like, you know, part of being an accurate alternate history is is you know, not bucking that too much because that can look like bullshit. But I don't know if there's any, like you said, like, yeah, what is this in service to, you know, a lady, like I said, a lady has a protege and she's going to be, <laughs> right. you know, blackmailed by the North Koreans. And mm-hmm. yep. who, who knows? Who I don't knows? know. I like the way they've told that story so far, though. I think it's, it's yeah. felt very natural getting her to this yeah. point of desperation. I got, I got no problem with it. Uh, Sean says, I'm loving the season the coverage so far. Thank you, Sean. Just mm-hmm. want to point out that his real shitty kind of irony headed to Leda's way that her father is deported as a potential spy during a mole hunt while the mentor that she went to as a result of that crisis has come to be guilty of exactly that. The cherry on top being the secrets Margot gave away are the ones that she seems to have pushed Leda to invent. Now, and they are, I think the show is well aware of all this and Leda. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine the betrayal she's going to feel all the sacrifices she's made on the altar of St. Margot mm-hmm. and all the accomplishments she's worked so hard to give NASA and the Margot gave away to save her boyfriend, which didn't even work. Right. I think uh, about all those scenes of her sitting at the dinner table before dinner with her family, like swirling around her. And she's just lost in all these numbers and this design and to just hand over all that work to the Russians. Mm. She's going to be pissed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And like like the Von Braun, the, the fact that it's the, the betrayal is so close and, and, and active. I, I, I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I it seems. Oh, man, I don't know. I don't know what happens to Margo at the end of the season, man. Especially it's like if yeah. they like what if they do some kind of black op and it ends up in some kind of disaster and it implicates America on the world stage. And it's just like a fuck up on a fuck up on a fuck up. <laughs> oh, God. Ah, oh. yeah. It's good television, but I hate it. Ari writes in and says, is it possible that Margot somewhere in 1983 immediately went to the Department of Justice at the time and has been a counter agent ever since that they just haven't showed us yet? Or is this notion directly refuted in the show, but I didn't catch it. Is it possible she did go to the police and none of this did happen? And and everything she's given them is what the American government wanted them to get. The fusion drive? That's the thing. Like, a lot. <laughs> and she's also putting on a lot of performances for no one to see but herself. If like, you know, I, I would... It's a, it's a great idea. I like that you're trying to preserve Margot's uh, decency <laughs> as a person, uh-huh. but I, I don't see it. Like, I I yeah. feel like they would have. And, and what can they do? Like, what what would they do here? Try to, like, get the Russians on American soil and instantly arrest them as spies to sabotage the Russian space program that was already dead in the water before they gave him the fusion drive technology so they could get them to America to, yeah. Hmm. Like I said, I like, I like where you're thinking, but I just don't, I just don't think it's, it's going to play out in the facts, unfortunately. 
David says, I just finished uh, listening to your For All Mankind episode five, where he expressed a lot of doubt that Margo could solve her treason problem by going to the Department of Justice. I think the solution to Margo and Sergey's problem lies not with Washington, but in Moscow. In a previous episode, Sergey points to the Kremlin's desperation to get to Mars as past success in the space race is one of communism's few victories, and their system is crumbling. Having shat the bed with their Mars mission, having further exposed that they didn't even design the rocket but copied it from NASA's designs would be a massive embarrassment, perhaps a fatal one for the CCCP, exposing just how far behind they are technologically. Historically, this is around the time that Gorbachev introduces perestroika to stem trouble at home and try to kickstart the economy, but instead blows up the whole system. And show if they go this route, I think it's more likely that Sergei will figure this out and stall Margot's confession, instead threatening to make the whole deception public from the U.S., uh, unless the KGB frees his family and lets them remain or him remain with Margot. Hmm. Uh, the blackmailer becomes the blackmailee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see this, a story like that. This seems plausible if Russia is uh-huh. desperate to keep their name out of the papers. Uh, do, do you know what perestroika is? I, I'm familiar with a couple of Russian terms. That's not one. Uh, so Glasnost was their pro- policy mm-hmm. of openness. I think Perestroika is essentially the economic side of that, where they started to let like companies like McDonald's and IBM into the company. Uh, okay, um, and it was like um, a, a way to kind of uh, it is, is them trying to also get away from central planning and in- implement like markets. Gotcha. Um, I'm not an expert at that, but it's my understanding that like last was the po- was the was the um, policy of cultural openness and being mm-hmm. open to news ideas. And perestroika was the uh, economic side of that. Shaking okay. hands with Ronald McDonald and, you know, let him sell <laughs> sure. burgers. Yeah, I, this is this is a pretty plausible way out for her, I guess, um, to not. Elaine is the wild card, though. Yeah, she's already on the trail and I don't think she's just going to say, oh, you committed treason. Uh, I guess it's okay if you got out of it. And now, especially since in the last episode, she's he's already she's already gone to the Joint Chiefs about a non-diplomatic solution. Uh-huh. Mm, how would she stop? Yeah, how would she keep this from happening now? Are there too many? Like, I, I think this is a great solution, and it might still be, but like, it feels it feels like there's so many pieces on the board and moving that it might be too late. But uh, that would be an interesting card to play. Theo says, do you have any idea how they did that shot where Danielle and the cosmonaut are walking down the landing platform? Where is the camera located? Is it broadcasted on it's broadcast on Earth? So it must be realistic. Could the camera be on the ship itself? It looks further away. Or is there a camera crew out there already? Um, Could be on the ship. I, it's got to be like in, in Apollo 11. There was a similar question about like, how did they get that shot of uh you know, Neil landing on the moon or being the first one on the moon. And, and the answer to that is, well, they just had a camera on a boom that was attached to one of the landing struts and they captured it. Yeah. Um, it seems like it'd be a little bit more difficult. Like you're going screaming in through the Martian atmosphere and a fireball, but like maybe that camera was <laughs> hidden. It popped out of a compartment, but like I, yeah, like there's, there's a big old tail on that plane. There's wings. There's all kinds of places you could put a camera to get that angle. Yeah without positing that someone else landed for it's the North Korean. The North Korean <laughs> was in camera. that capsule, popped out with his camera, started mm-hmm. rolling film and graciously gave it to the Americans and Russians <laughs> in exchange for <laughs> food and water. Yep. Uh, 
Thanks for the question, though. Jcube says, only have one point of feedback, and that's I have a differing opinion that Dev would be a proponent of consuming water on Mars in face of the life on our uh, life on Mars question. What's the one thing to replace the news story of Mars uh, that the USS or the USA and the USSR are dominating? That kind of prestige seems to be what he's chasing, and that would be confirmed extraterrestrial life. I think it's more likely that causes conflict with the Russians and maybe Kelly. Hmm. What, it, I, this seems plausible that Dev would be like, hey, I found life. I found life. I found life. And no one could take that away from Helios. But doesn't that set back his larger plan? Like, If they find life in this water, they're not going to want to use the water. And therefore, he can't establish his colonies uh, that he's looking forward to. I don't know. I don't I think know. It's, I think he might view it as a setback. I, I wonder because like that's the thing. It's like, okay, but the dark question is if even if Kelly finds life, do they not drill? Because the, we don't do that on Earth. Like we're trying to be better about it nowadays, but like if like some kind of fucking yeah, but life on Earth is, it's, you know, it's a dime a dozen for life forms here. Ah, that inflation's hitting pretty, you know, we're, <laughs> we're in the middle of the sixth <laughs> sure. the mass extinction, I think. Uh, extraterrestrial life? I feel like it's an entirely different category. But I, I could see people saying, well, you found it in one aquifer on Mars. Guess what? It's probably everywhere on Mars. So, like, we'll just set up a wildlife sanctuary Maybe. on all of Mars. It's not the, Mar- the, the, the Mariner Valley and... I just, I just think that it's, it's a little bit much to think the humans are not going to spoil a planet, like even if they knew life was there, because that's not how we treat our own damn planet that has irreplaceable, valuable, unique life forms that we kill all the time. Oh yeah, no, eventually we it. would kill those life forms for sure. The question is, like, would that set him back as far as his timeline? All right, there you go. Uh, Sweet Jerry says, putting out my conspiracy theory to win all the internet points. What do you think about the idea that the last message Ed sent to Karen talking about Danny and how he is questioning if he's cut out for the mission was in fact staged by Ed? My theory is he's going to find out Danny hacking his messages he'd been sending out and the way he's behaving, trying to turn the tables. Don't have any evidence except for the fact the last message, something about his tone of voice, the way he was looking at the screen, almost staring at Danny while saying it. I mean, he's looking into the camera. He's looking into yeah. what he thinks is his wife's eyes. D- did uh, Nick finally say something? Come on, Nick. You know something's weird about this password and rainbow. You know what's going on. Just tell Ed. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about this. Like, it would be smart. But, like, I, yeah, I don't think the Ed suspects at all. Um, and he'd have to suspect before he starts canary trapping people. Sure. So I don't think it's it, it's maybe not quite as busted as the North Korean uh, lo- lone lone uh, doomed a- a cosmonaut on the surface of Mars, but it's uh, it feels pretty busted to me, Jerry. Um, yeah. But we'll see. We'll see. Maybe Ed's got some 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 more creep to him than I think. Benji Bear has opinions on the Ellen storyline. The first Oval Office scene we get earlier this season begins with cassette tapes activating, which I immediately assumed is the same recording system that in our universe did for Nixon regarding Watergate uh, or did in Nixon for Watergate and was subsequently removed. Mm-hmm. Uh, although parenthetically, they said I could be wrong about that last bit and I didn't have time to fact check it. But um, and the Watergate scandal never happened in this universe, right? Exactly, exactly. So probably didn't. So even the if they were removed, they probably were not. 
The tapes are only on screen for a few seconds and have not reappeared. But since the revelation that the first gentleman has been getting jiggy with the assistant in the Oval Office and that info getting out, suddenly I fear I may know where the tapes or why the tapes have been shown. Yes. First of all, getting jiggy was not in, invented until the year 2000 when we ushered in the new millennium. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be an anachronism for him to be, in fact, getting jiggy with this person. But uh, what do you think about this tapes thing? Uh, yeah, no, I, I think you're exactly right. I think they're showing uh, the paper trail here that's going to lead to the reveal in a, in a major way of the infidelity or not even the infidelity, right? It's like the scandal here is not the infidelity. It's who he's doing it with. Do you think it, what do you think it, what, what, how does it impact uh, uh, gay people in this timeline? Do, uh, because like, I, I feel like that. Um, I think it's going to be a double-edged sword. I think the yeah. idea that, oh, we actually did have a, a gay president is going to be like a boost, a shot in the arm for gay culture uh, in the show. Closet to gay president. But also, yeah. there's going to be a public outcry initially, certainly. I think it's going to be a lot like build the build the, the Monica Lewinsky scandal and that there is an mm-hmm. intense, sharp, like disapproval. But then like within 10 years, people are like, is this really a big deal? Yeah. You know, and isn't it kind of unseemly how this thing all went down and like it. So it might be temp short term, bad, long term. Mm-hmm. And she'll it, eventually it normalize this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, you can, you know, it's like whatever you say about gay people, you have to then at that point say they can become the president of the United States. Sure. Like they can they're capable of anything. Uh, so that's got to be good in some ways, but uh, probably a lot of heat initially. As long as she doesn't commit any war crimes or atrocities in the meantime. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're we totally will overlook that. No problem. <laughs> okay. Uh, Benji Bear says it'd be morbidly, morbidly hilarious for me to see the Russians seizing on this and turning themselves into some kind of LGBT utopia just to spite the Americans. Well, hey, that makes uh, life better for Russian gays. And I guess that will be the, the silver lining. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark says, is Larry going to be their version to Monica Lewinsky, inc- Monica Lewinsky incident? I, if I heard right, that guy said he got a BJ in the Oval Office. He got some kind of jiggy. Uh <laughs> Uh-huh. And then so that was the first thing I got. Uh, Melissa was hot on the heels of Mark and elaborated. Says maybe Larry's assistant will be a Monica Lewinsky type figure and his friend, the guy who got in a car, will be the Linda Tripp figure who reveals mm-hmm. the details for personal gain. You'll remember that was one of Monica Lewinsky's friends and, and colleagues, and she's the one that produced the information about the soiled dress. And yeah, uh, so it was a linchpin in the whole thing. It was shared secrets between quote-unquote friends that led to us all having to endure learning about what Monica and Bill got up to in the Oval Office. Granted, at this stage, at least, there doesn't seem to be any sort of coercion or issues of consent between Larry and his partners. I mean, there's always the power imbalance when you've got an aide going up against the White House chief of staff. That, that doesn't erase that, but yeah, it's not mm-hmm. as... I mean, and I don't know how old uh, the Zelensky kid is either. Like, if he's... In his early 20s, it seems to me he's in his late 20s, early 30s. So yeah. that makes it a little less squicky than wasn't Monica like 20 when she was, she was White House young. aide. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty egregious power imbalance when you've got the quote unquote most powerful man in the world making sexual advantages at a, at a 20 year old uh, office aide. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe it's a, it's it's less gross in that capacity. I, I think. I think this. So my question is, do you think that people are going to think that this is too on the nose? 
Like it's a literal inverted Monica Lewinsky scandal. I mean, it is. It's very on the nose, but I don't know. It's down to personal taste. Like uh, some people will love it. Some people will hate it. I feel I, like I'm having the blood, no problem with it. I will say. Yeah, I feel like that the the time was right because we were emerging from a, um, a, a form of journalism that kind of saw the president as a state secret that had to be protected. And it was important for America's to not know that, you know, the Kennedy boys were banging Marilyn Monroe and cocktail waitresses left and right. And that uh, Roosevelt at the end of World War Two couldn't even stand on his own. Like they were like part of protecting those secrets to mm-hmm. actually the American people need to uh, deserve the truth about everything, no matter how personal and irrelevant it is to matters of state. And it was inevitable because like they tried with Gary Hart, like. It, it, it's like one of those things. And then like 10 years from now, like we're living in an era where who gives a shit? Like, mm-hmm. you know, th- th- it's less and less effective to hang these scandals on politicians because we're kind of inured to it. But right. I think it's inevitable that you would try to take down uh, because like why? I, I don't know. Like what? What president didn't fuck around on his wife? I would like. I like the exhaustive list of presidents did not fuck around on their sure. wives because I bet it's like Jimmy Carter. Uh-huh. And and fucking Harrison because he died three weeks into his presidency on the train to the White House. That's it. That's it. Yeah. I don't know. Um, we'll see. I, I it seems like they're we're going down that train though. Uh, finally, Caitlin says, "Guys, is Kelly gonna get pregnant? Pregnant oh, in space? Oh no! Oh boy! Is oh, all this talk no. about finding life on Mars, quote unquote, and the tension about who has slept <laughs> with whom, actually distracting us from the real drama of a potential Martian baby? The life on Mars was within you all along. Yeah, David Bowie. We have con- conclusive proof. Uh-huh. Uh, Caitlin says, considering Kelly didn't know about Peloton. Oh, by the way, Jim, thanks. I don't know the baby daddy's actually name now. <laughs> Same. I can't. Fi- I think it's Aleski. It could be Anatoly. It's fucking Peloton now. Um, <laughs> I don't know that the birth control and or condoms are high priority travel material. Oh, there's no fucking way uh, NASA didn't send the mixed crew up there with with no protection, right? Oh, yeah. They got space condoms. They got the, the best zero G space condoms. Yeah have to this is the era like people were obsessed with sex safe sex in the 90s tlc singing about it Mm -hmm. uh color me bad singing about it like everybody's all about having sex but it was always hey girl gonna slip this condom on like it was a different it was a different time people were frightened of aids yeah Um, totally yeah no i i but 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 does kelly is is kelly using that protection that's that's the question Mm, does she have time to put it on when when they're banging next to the salad bar do is Ron Moore this kind of like it? Because I, I feel like this would be a tawdry plot line. It's already borderline egregious for Kelly to fall this madly in love with somebody at, you know, 29 going on 30. But to like not use protection on Mars. That seems crazy. You're going to carry it. You, you be, you'll be carrying a baby full term on another planet. <laughs> right, right. They can't come get you uh, in, the, in the amount of time that it would take. Yeah. Um no, it, it would be incredibly stupid. I don't think she's stupid, so I hope not. Set up the first extraterrestrial abortion plot. I don't know where that gets us. Nope. Nope. Is that, does that impact uh, the timeline of Roe v. Wade being overturned? I, I don't know. Sure. Sure. Um, I, I hope not. I, they, 
honestly, the the Karen and Daniel stuff is 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 the, as tawdry as I want the show to get. Uh, but Jesus Ron Christ, likes that's pretty tawdry. Though. Yeah, I, I will say, damn it. He, he's not above. Like I've seen Battlestar Galactica. He will go. I've only on seen the first the, season of that. So melodrama. So the Starbuck get pregnant. Yes, as a matter she, of fact, I believe she, she does. It. She had point. a Cylon baby. Is that what she did? I, okay, well, I think it was a. I can't remember. It got weird toward the end of that show. Is what I'm saying. Martian babies confirmed. Uh, Kalen, I'm, I'm buying that stock. Uh, that's the last email we got in this uh, go round. Uh, please send all feedback to FAM for all mankind. FAM the abbreviation at baldmove.com and we will try to get to another mailbag before the end of the season. Of course, we'll also have a, a big uh, mailbag at the end of the season to kind of wrap up everybody's thoughts, uh, but there'll be at least two more. Keep sending them in FAM at baldmove.com. We'll be back later this week for the all new episode. Bring it down until then. I'm your host, Aaron and I'm Jim. Bye, Bob. <laughs>